this morning. My subject is redefining religion. I don't know, I think most of you will agree that uh, change is an unavoidable part of life. You see, change is not a choice, but how we handle it is. The facts are everyone is changing. The church is changing. Society is changing. And no one is exempt. Whether for good or bad, change is here. Well, what about does God change? The Bible teaches us that God is unchanging. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, being that he is the same today and yesterday and forever, does he work through change? And the answer is, yes, he does. Jesus' teaching turned the world upside down some 2,000 years ago. He taught an economics of generosity that was unheard of. He challenged the political practice of declaring those who want to lead, they must first serve. He described family relationships based on God's family, other than blood ties. And last Sunday, when we had our, our family picnic, I felt that. It seems like sometimes we're closer to the family of God than we are to our own families. But where Jesus caused near riots was his teachings in the area of religion. He interpreted scripture in such a way that it drove the religious leaders to ask for him to be put to death. He ignored religious rituals that interfered with opportunities to minister to people. When you read the New Testament, you find out that Jesus placed more importance on people than he did on the Sabbath or the observing of the law or even the giving. Jesus was redefining religion. God is greater than man and he is beyond our understanding. We can't explain a lot of things that happen in life, but we trust that in his infinite knowledge, he does not only understand, but he ministers to us through that. In Romans 12, the Bible says that Paul spoke about bringing, presenting our bodies a living sacrifice to the Lord. And he called it an act of rational worship. But why would God want our bodies? Our bodies are the seed of the flesh. And there's something about the flesh that has a resistance to do what God wants us to do. Your body is a source of temptation. And yet God is asking you to present your body a living sacrifice. 
And Paul uses the tense terms meaning that it's something that you do once for all rather than over and over again. Do it once and then you spend the rest of your life on that basis. Now, I know that some are thinking, why, why would God want our bodies? I mean, it's our, it seems like our problem is the body. The Bible says that Paul says that sin dwells within the body. And yet God is asking us to bring our bodies a living and a holy sacrifice. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. What Paul is not saying is that we must get our act together that somehow we need to get to the place where we have our body under control instead of always being out of control. Bring your bodies with all of its problems, with all of its temptations, bring it just the way that it is. Now, why would God ask us to do that? You see, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, it was his blood and the work of the Holy Spirit that has made your body, believe it or not, your body holy and pleasing to God. This is the way to worship God. Worshiping God is allowing God to use your body in the dynamics which he works in every situation, whether at work, whether at home, or in your family. I have seen it even in death. Some years ago, I was called to the Fairfax Hospital and I presented the body of a nine-year-old girl who weighed 30 pounds to the Lord. For 45 minutes, I watched the nurses drain her little body of the fluid from the virus. She couldn't talk because of the tubes that she had in her mouth and in her nose. I looked at the father, a Vietnam vet, and I thought to myself, this has got to be harder than anything he had ever seen in Vietnam. To see his daughter dying, and seated next to him was his brother, a brother that just over a year ago I was called to their home and they had lost their son, Matthew, who was just a few months old. And I thought to myself, as I looked at him, I thought, how can he understand what's going on? A year ago, he lost his son. And I can still picture him with his, his face in his hands, crying out, why, why, oh God, why? And now he's watching his niece struggle for her life. And I thought as I was 
looking at him, I said, Lord, I'm not sure I understand it. It just doesn't seem fair. Oh, I said, I believe there are reasons, but I can't see them. And I was just about to pray when Holly's mother, she said, Pastor, she wants to say something. And so her mother and I, she was on one side of the bed, I was on the other side. We leaned down and we heard a little whisper. And the whisper was, I love you. And then as I looked into the eyes of this wonderful, beautiful Christian mother, tears coming down her cheeks, and she looked almost heavenwardly, and she said, thank you, God, I love you too. And I thought, what an awesome thing. What did she hear when she heard little Holly say, I love you? Well, I prayed that God would, uh, would bless Holly. I said, we place Holly into your care. And I said, Lord, we leave it up to your decision. And um, whatever your decision is, we will thank you and we will praise you and we will love you forever. Well, I left the room as soon as I said amen. I just walked out of the room and I went to the lobby where the elevator was. And next thing I noticed, Holly's mother came to my side and she says, I'll go down with you. And we went down to the lobby. And as we got off the elevator, she grabbed me by the arm and she wanted me to follow her. And so I followed her and she guided me to where there was a young mother she was 20 years old, and she was seated in the lobby crying. And she, uh, Holly's mother called her by her name and found out that they had just met the day before in the hospital. And um, Holly's mother said to her, this is my pastor, uh, he will help you. And uh, the girl had been crying most of the day, and she said, my baby is dying, and she doesn't move anymore. She said, they wanted me to go home for a few hours, but I, I couldn't. She said, she's all I got. And before I could say a word, Holly's mother said, just <clears throat> put her in God's hands and everything will be all right. And then we prayed and I placed that little baby girl in God's hands. And that night, <clears throat> Holly died. And the little baby lived. And oftentimes, when I think of Holly and her family, I think of that hymn, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses and land. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hands 
The following week, I gave Bible studies to two families because God used that little 30-pound, nine-and-a-half-year-old Holly and her loving mother to express God's love. You see, we can't handle our problems ourselves. So God says to us, bring your body just the way it is with all of its problems. Bring it because worshiping is allowing God to use your body to the dynamics through which he works in every situation. Whether God is going to express and show joy or healing of hurt or whether he's going to show his love. The way to worship God is our only legal, logical, sensible thing to do. When God says, bring your body as a living sacrifice. Once you bring your body to the Lord, you do two things. First, the Bible says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. And then he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, when we hear, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, some of us were brought up to believe that that has to do with somewhat your actions, whether you smoke or drink or, or play cards or do whatever. But it's not talking about that at all. That's not it at all. When we talk about the philosophies of this world is what God is telling us. You see, it's the advancement of self. That's the problem that humanity has today. And this never changes from generation to generation. Everyone in the world lives to advance himself. It's all, what's in it for me? And what God is saying is, don't buy into that kind of thinking. It will only bring heartache and ruin and disaster into your life. If the advancement of self is the basis of all life, then the goal of all life is personal happiness. Getting ahead of the other guy, grabbing what's mine before someone else gets it, hanging on to everything in spite of the pain or the suffering it may cause someone else. And God says, don't let the world around you pressure you into thinking this way any longer, but be transformed by the renewing of their mind. There is no way that you can keep from being conformed to the world unless you are being transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
We need to change our way of thinking. A change that comes by day by day by believing again and again and again what God has already done when you said yes to Christ. The Bible says you became a new creation. When you said yes to Christ, that actually happened in your life. You became a new creation. Now the Bible says in Romans 6, 17, But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. Even though you were spiritually born again, we still carry some old mental patterns and strategies of how to handle our life. Keep in mind that your flesh is your old way of thinking. It's the old way of acting. It's the old way of trying to make life work. And believe me, every one of us have tried to make life work. And until we find out that we can't do it, we can't make it, we come to the realization that just maybe God can and God will. So the flesh is the way we think at times, but it's not who you are. It's a network of worldly thoughts and attitudes carried over into our new life in Christ. That's why we are still learning and growing through the renewing of the mind. You have the mind of Christ. You can see life through Christ as he sees it. It is seeing what is really there, not what seems to be there. It's seeing what really is important, not what appears to be important. The mind of Christ says that the reason for living is not to advance self, but to serve God and advance his will. The renewing your mind is so that you can see life as God sees it. In 1 Corinthians 6.17, the Bible says, But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. When you said yes to Christ, no matter when it was, Christ came knocking on your heart door and you said yes. I need something. And he came in. And you are joined to him forever. Romans 6, 5. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. 
The Bible says that you are one spirit with him, and the Bible says you are united with him. The Bible says in John 17, 21, that they may all be one. Who are they? That's you and I. That they may, may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. Listen to that. It's not just Christ living in you. It's the Trinity living in you. It's God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them. Who's them? That's you and me. The glory that you have given me, I passed it on. I gave it to them, that they may be one. Just as we are one, I in them, you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me, and love them even as you have loved me. You are one spirit with him. You are united with him. You are fused with him. The Godhead is in us. The Father loves you as much as his Son. Ephesians 3.19 And to know the love of God which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of Christ, of God. To be filled up to the fullness of God. When you said yes to Christ, you were filled to the fullness of God. Did you sense it? No, probably not. Did you feel it? No, probably not. The Bible says that when you were babies in Christ, you were unaware of how much God loves you. It has been a process. I've been a born-again Christian for over 50 years. And I'm still in the process of learning how much God loves us. All we really knew when we accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, that somehow Jesus Christ died on the cross to save us. That's what most of us, that's all we really knew. And then we started on our journey, and it's been a journey, of trying to understand the length and the depths of God's love. Maybe it's time for you to redefine your religion. Are you willing to bring your body to the God and saying, Lord, 
Here it is. I've had nothing but trouble with it. So I give it to you. And I give it to you for the rest of my life. And to be your instrument for whatever you want. If you're willing to do that, and you're willing to allow God to renew your thinking to the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ and to the word of God, you will have a very exciting life beyond anything you ever dreamed. But let me warn you too, it will be terribly difficult at times. But it'll never be dull, it'll never be boring, and you'll start bearing the fruit of God's Spirit living in you, as he always intended for you to experience. In Romans 8 and 9, the Bible says, However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. When you look at Christianity as a whole, every single individual who said yes to Christ, they received the fullness of God within them. But most of us never understood it that way. Most of us never really understood that what the mechanics are of Christ living in an individual. What does that really look like? How does that really feel to have Christ living in a person? Most of us spent years before we understood that God is actually living his life in us and through us. And that's the power of the gospel. That God is actually living his life in an individual. That the things that they say, the things that they do, is Christ living through them. Do you understand it? I mean, as believers, we're not in the flesh one moment and then in the spirit the next moment. No, the Bible says that we are always in the spirit. Always. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, every one of us know that at times we walk after the flesh. However, we are never in the flesh. Never. The Spirit of God is in us and will always be there forever. He doesn't come and go just because we fall by the wayside sometimes. The Spirit of God is in an individual for the rest of their life. We walk after the Spirit. And when we do, it's a perfect fit. It's a perfect fit. 
God has called us. We have responded. And it's a perfect fit now. We, yes, we can set our minds on the flesh. And when we do, we're going against our true identity. The problem is, as believers, we can't make sin work. We can't do it. We're always going to feel bad. We're going to feel guilty. We're going to feel all these things. Because we can't make sin work. We are no longer made for sin. Oh, we can sin, but we're not made for it. And we are not in and out of the Spirit. The Spirit of God will never leave us. No matter what we go through, will never leave us. And we need to be reminded again and again. I remember some years ago, a church member came to me and said, uh, Pastor, are you always going to be preaching on this subject? And I said, always, always. So I said, if you're looking for something else, I said, you won't find it here. The Bible says that we are to be renewing our minds. And I made a commitment years ago that the only thing that I'm interested in preaching, and that is the gospel, the gospel in its entirety, I'm not interested in much else. Because I need to be reminded all the time, every day, I need to be reminded just how much God loves me, just how much He cares. We need to be reminded the renewing of the Holy Spirit every day so we can see and visualize how great the love of God really is. Oh, I can talk about sin. I suppose I could. I don't know if it would do anybody any good. I think we all know what sin is. But I don't think we really understand how wonderful God is. Just how much he loves each and every one of us. Just the way we are. His love is not based on whether we're going to change or not. Because he is going to change us from within. He is going to recreate us into his image. And it's a lifetime experience. And I'm so thankful that it is. I'm so thankful that every year is a great year, no matter how old we get. God gets better each and every year. Now, God wants us to really experience and enjoy what he's all about. And he's all about loving us. He's all about caring about us. He's all about ministering to us. That's what God is all about. He only has us, our interests at, at hand. Let's give it to him. Let's give him our bodies. 
as a living sacrifice and just say, Lord, you do whatever you want to do with this body of mine. I give you permission to live your life in me and through me for the rest of my life. And I'll do it every day of my life. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for the good news of the gospel. And Father, we love you for all that you have done, all that you are doing, and all that you will do. And we bring our bodies to you this morning. And we simply say, it just hasn't worked, Lord, so take my body. Use it. Use it for whatever way you want it to be used. And I will praise you and thank you all the days of my life. Bless us to this end, I pray. For we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.